from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. And here we are, our first major milestone episode, episode number five zero, the big 50, the season one finale. Here we are. Let's celebrate. I'm your host, David Strasser. This is Shark Bite Biz, and this is where you learn to grow a business during complete chaos. First, I want to make sure everybody enjoys the holiday season. As I've talked about many times in this show, the work-life balance is critical. And seeing how this podcast is almost like a second full-time job for me, I'm going to be taking the holiday week off next week, okay? And we'll be back with season two on the very first Monday in January. I think it's January 3rd or 4th, whatever it is. And I've got some awesome interviews lined up for season two. I've already got everything stockpiled. It's ready to go. You all are going to be thrilled. Now let's get back into this episode. Small business is what makes America go round. Small business is the heart and soul of our country and our economy. I'm sure in places like Canada and the United Kingdom, that's probably true to an extent as well, too. And today, we're going to interview a true pioneer in digital transformation and business process automation. Somebody that did a drastic career transformation and now runs a practice that is actually the number one partner for SAP Business One in North America. It wasn't easy. Building that practice, though, lots of ups and downs. And then you add in that we're in the midst of a global pandemic and things are tough. But in all this darkness, our guest today sees light. In fact, he's able to help his customers move towards the pixelated light of truly digital transformation and move their businesses into the roaring 20s. This is an interview that is going to cover a broad range of topics from personal growth to the pandemic to how his company handled the pandemic and how his company helps customers transform. So who's our guest today? The one, the only, Mr. Alex Rooney. Alex Rooney is the vice president and co-founder of Vision 33, a business process automation company that helps businesses streamline their processes and achieve true digital transformation. Oh, and I probably should mention he's also my boss at my day job with Vision 33 as well. This is probably the shortest bio ever, but Alex loves to keep it simple. That's what we all love about him. So let's bring Alex on in here. Small Biz Spotlight. Alex. Welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You are now officially Shark Bait. <laughs> Thank you, David. Great to be here. Um, I know you've been uh, chasing me for a little while to get on your show, so thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, no problem. No problem. Love the uh, love the shirt there. And everybody, I know I, I've said this in our intro, but, uh, you know, full transparency. Uh, I love transparency. 
Alex is actually my boss for the day job with Vision 33. He's the person I report to, but he's also kind of a genius and a mad scientist, and he really understands small businesses. So I thought this would be perfect because not only is this episode coming out on Christmas Eve, Alex, but this is also episode number 50. That's a major uh -huh. milestone. Okay. The only thing better would have been episode 33. Yeah, yeah. There you <laughs> Absolutely right with that. Uh, so, you know, first question is always a softball question. It's a tradition here in the show. What's your experience? What's your background? How did you get where you're at? What makes Alex Rooney, Alex Rooney? Yeah, so uh, to answer that question, I would have to go back to the place that where I was born and raised. And um, as a longtime Southern California resident, uh, it couldn't be farther from uh, where I live today on the North American continent. And that is uh, St. John's, Newfoundland, Canada. So that is the place where, where I was shaped. And that is the place where I was formed. You said that is the place. Oh. Pardon me? You said Newfoundland? Newfoundland. <laughs> Pronounce it, because I think most of the Americans that have watched this show or know Canada yeah. see that word. They have no idea how to pronounce it. I know, I know. As part of my life's work, David, have been uh, teaching people how to pronounce it properly. So <laughs> it's understand Newfoundland. You get the alliteration in the flow. So work with that anytime you have trouble. So. I spent uh, the first 25 years of my life, uh, my, uh, <clears throat> my, uh, I went to school there, I did my undergraduate work there, um, and I uh, graduated from uh, the engineering school there at the, at the university, Memorial University of Newfoundland in 1992, so showing my age, uh, you and I have our ongoing generation jokes, of course, but um, uh, after that, uh, I went to work uh, in a uh, up-and-coming burgeoning offshore oil industry in uh, in Newfoundland, and that is a global industry in nature. So it gave me the opportunity to work and travel, and I did that for a few years. Uh, lived in Australia for a while. Wow! And I got an opportunity to work in California. So off I went. Back then, it was all about, hey, I want to see the world, and I want to work around anywhere. I'll go anywhere. Um, and uh, just I was out for the uh, the excitement and the travel and the wanderlust that comes when uh, one grows up on an island. Oh yeah. Um, but I landed. I landed in California. Met a California girl. Fell in love. Got married. Had children. And uh, I've lived there ever since. History. So yeah, yeah. So. I find myself, uh, you know, you ask who I am, I guess, uh, first and foremost, I'm a, a father to three, three teenagers now, um, and uh, a husband to a lovely wife and uh, a, uh, a proud uh, business owner. Oh, yeah. And uh, the pivot in my life, I think that's important, uh, that who made me who I am, it's, it's not only where you come from, but the journey that takes you to where you are today. Absolutely. And um, I had spent about five years in the engineering business, in civil engineering and environmental engineering. Um, while in California, I did. I even did a master's degree in in uh, environmental engineering. And I worked in that industry 
and I liked my job, but I didn't love my job. And that was the pivot point for me um, because uh, I think you really, it's really important. I tell, I tell my kids and anyone who asks for my advice is, you know, if you really love what you do, the success and the rewards will follow. Right. And that's what I did. And um, so the pivot for me was, uh, you know, and as I lived in California for a few years, I really missed Newfoundland and where I was from. And uh, I had a really good friend in Newfoundland who we went through engineering school, who had a, just started a business and had that up and running for a few years. And in my mind, I wanted to make a change because environmental engineering and software, which the industry we're in now, uh, IT professional services and business application development, ERP software, they're dramatically different fields. You know, one might argue that there's technical background, there's scope, schedule, budget, all of those elements, project oriented, all of those things are there, but that's kind of where the similarities end, I think. So, um, in a, uh, in a great move and a fourth, Tuitous event, uh, we ended up partnering up together. My uh, old friend from Newfoundland, who uh, is, as you know, our, my current business partner today and our president at Vision 33. So I had this dream in the late 90s that I would stay on the beach in Southern California, but we would start something that enabled me to stay connected to where I was from, you know five generations of my family and everything I everything that made me who I was so that was the bit to me that was a primary driver of the business model as opposed to you know the typical balance sheet P&L business plan so a little it was a little tangential if you will but I would say driven by passion and uh, like all good things we we had business concepts and we we started and stopped and had some successes and many failures. But over the course of several years, we started to find our groove. And a pivot point uh, when we started Vision 33 was when we entered into our relationship with SAP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the world you're familiar with today in terms of your capacity uh, running as our general manager in the Northeast. But we tried a bunch of things before that. and uh, and uh, But the SAP thing relationship was really the catalyst for the growth of vision 33 yeah. and uh it's still important but we have many other things on the horizon so oh yeah that's kind of that's my journey so if that makes sense yeah it's a great 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 journey and that's why i like highlighting the stories because you get all these experts business owners executives that come on this show and yeah, they want to tell you about their subject matter expertise, but people want to, you know, we're in the personal relationship business, really getting to know people and hear the journeys, but it inspires other people that they went for one thing. And, you know, when you're young and you're going through college, yeah, you might enjoy something, but as you get older, you discover that, you know, I like this, but I don't love this. I actually want yeah. more to fill fulfilled in life and it sets you on a different journey i think some people are just afraid you know to act out yeah. and stories like yours i think gives a good level of encouragement to um you know for people to go out there and reinvent themselves and that that's the big thing that we're seeing your generation my generation i mean people 
are able to go out and reinvent themselves once or twice, even three times or more now throughout the, the lives of their career. So yeah. it's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And you say, um, you say that uh, some people are scared, but I was scared. Yeah. I was also scared. But uh, I'll have to give credit to my wife for this, where she basically said, look, you know, she said, we're young. We have no children. We have no major obligations. The risk will only get higher as we get older. So do this now. Um, and uh, kind of gave me a little kick in the butt and uh, said, give it a shot. And the worst thing you can do, you still got that paper hanging on the wall. You can always go back. And, uh, yeah. I never did, but uh, sometimes you need a little push and you need the support to do it too, you know? So um, that part, uh, that part, you have to have great support. And uh, I did have that. So that uh, certainly helps in any scenario. No, yeah, definitely a hundred. Yeah. You need that support ecosystem. Uh, yeah. You know, just the other night at our holiday party, for example, you were telling my team uh, about when I started up and I had no ERP experience. And yes. you know, I yeah. need that, that support system. Uh, it was really between Bobby Lyles, a good friend of mine, and also my wife who were pushing me like, yes, yes, everything feels right. Go do this. You'll be an all-star. You'll rock it out. But I was a little nervous because it was a completely new industry for me. Yeah, we were both nervous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alex. Uh, but hey, it worked out great. It worked out great. It does. Well, you know, I mean, the first thing you do when you, uh, you never know. And uh, hiring talent is, can be a tricky proposition, especially in sales, business development, and things that require initiative and thinking out of the box. So, um, you know, things could look great on paper, but it could be a flop. And, or things may not fit on paper, but could work out to something that you just don't expect and are very pleasantly surprised with the results. So I, I would say you, you, you fit in the latter category. So I'm happy to say. I'm full of surprises, but I think yeah. sometimes when you're looking at talent, I, I think that people, they may look great on paper, like you were just saying, but the thing is sometimes employees, you know, they get in their mood, they get an ego, whatever it may be, but they think, Oh, I'm an all-star and stuff like that. And on paper they are, but once you take them out of that system with the support they had, the resources they have, and plop them into another place where they may not have that, that's where I think it kind of creates imbalances to where an all-star sales rep that you think that you're hiring actually isn't because they were getting different things or doing things a totally different way with another company. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Yeah. Certainly does, yeah, yeah, and I've seen uh, many examples over the years, and I've personally made some very bad hires on the sales side, but I've also made some very good hires. So um, I've yet to figure out. It's a bit, bit of art, bit of science, and uh, yeah, we try and bring an analytical lens as we're a data-driven company uh, run by a bunch of engineers. So we try, uh, but we're not always successful in that capacity. It's uh, sometimes it's hard to put your finger on it. 
Yeah, no, that's great, 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 solid business advice for people out there. So let's kind of change gears right now. I don't know if you know this, but we have this thingy that's going on right now. It's called the uh, COVID-19, this little pandemic. Have you heard about it? Heard about it. Yeah, heard about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In fact, I'm uh, my... Uh, my two daughters may or may not have been exposed. So I'm actually, I'm broadcasting to you live from a uh, hideout in La Quinta, California until the test results come back. So I'm living it. Yeah. Which is not too bad. Yeah. How long do you have to wait for the test results at this? Ah, I should have them within the hour. Awesome. Awesome. That's that's good. I mean, uh, when I had my case back in March, uh, what was it like 15 or 19 days, something like that? We had to wait for the results. So yeah. glad to see you that. You were an early adopter. You were an early adopter. So you had to wait a little while longer. <laughs> I love the bleeding edge technology. So yeah. Yeah. we have a pandemic going on. It's obviously it's impacted almost nearly every industry. Uh, it, it, it impacted everybody. Now, some of the impacts may have been very positive, uh, some also extremely negative. You have both sides of the spectrum there. How do you think it impacted a software and professional services company like Vision 33? Well, yeah, you know, in, uh, in March, late March, when, uh, we, when everything came down, then we had some hard choices to make. And the reality is I don't think anyone truly knew Mm-hmm. And what we had to do at that point is we had to make some very hard business decisions um, all across the board to make sure that whenever this thing is, was over, that we would come out on the other side of it. And we did that. And those were hard. Those were some of the hardest decisions uh, we've made as a business in 20 years. And we'd been we'd become accustomed to and were very fortunate to grow every year it was all about hiring growing you know and this was the first time where it was all about survival as opposed to growth so i think fortunately what we do as a company in terms of automation deploying technology to get drive efficiencies uh, really aligned well with some of the requirements of the pandemic so you know, as a company, we were forced to accelerate our own transformation. So I'm, I'm very pleased to sit before you here today and say Q1 2021, we will be a 100% paperless organization at Vision 33. So there's many things that we did ourselves where we weren't in offices and we weren't uh, conducting business in similar ways. And these were things we had planned to do because, you know, they are important and they do drive efficiencies and you have to practice what you preach. But it's one of those things that um, gets pushed out the list due to other customer facing priorities. But we were forced into it. We accelerated it and uh, we're almost through it. So you've experience some of these things yourself uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, it, over the last nine months. What really helped Vision 33 from, you know, being an employee and the manager at the company is I think that we were already halfway there in a sense. Like, for example, my Northeast team, 
everybody was working remote already. So I think that's the, we we almost had like a hybrid uh, philosophy beforehand. And that's where I, I think that really allowed us to excel at this transformation faster than yeah. have anything in place and we're starting from scratch. Yeah, and I mean, we've always been a spread out organization, uh, certainly all across North America and Europe and, uh, and uh, even as far down as uh, some resource teams in India and Argentina. So uh, we've, we've had to learn, but I think we've become more efficient and we've certainly become better at it. When the pandemic hit, Mm-hmm. We were about 30% remote, 70% office bases with right. clusters in you know, Canadian headquarters, U.S. headquarters, European headquarters. But that got flipped around on its head to today where we're about 10%, only 10% are going into offices in lowly imp- low impact areas from a pandemic perspective. I don't think we'll ever go back to that one third, two third, but I think it'll be it'll be reversed where two thirds are remote and one third are in offices. Yeah. We've we've closed five office locations in the last nine ten months, and uh, as leases and things come up, we'll probably close a few more. But I can see it settling in at some point, but it's never going to be at the level it was before, and that's okay. And that's okay. So another thing from the customer experience, I mean. Yeah, we, we work with SAP Business One here mostly in the U.S. And if you look at it, when you're doing these ERP implementations, customers have been, I don't know, skeptical or suspicious maybe. You know, they had concerns, I guess we could say, about doing remote implementations where our people aren't going to be on site holding their hands. How do you think that we've been able to get around that as an organization? Um, we ha- I mean, I can make a statement that we have gotten around it and we've gotten around it successfully. And it's all about the tools and the communication, time zone efficiencies. Um, in some respects, a couple of things you have to bear sort of common sense things that um, you have to have the right equipment, you have to have the right bandwidth, you have to have the right cameras. We, you know, we have a policy, as you know, where we want cameras on in meetings. I think it adds to the experience. Um, you have to have uh, an isolated area where you can conduct business. You know, you're not, you're not at the kitchen table with, uh, you know, with the kids crawling around at the bottom of your feet. Um, but also in terms of uh, the communication cadence with the customer too, and the methods and the means by which we communicate. So more frequent, shorter bursts, as opposed to sitting in conference room for day long meetings with consultants on implementations. Um, and I would say I can think of a few projects where not only was it, um, and I'm not talking, Hey, instead of driving down the street to a customer, we're remote. I'm talking different countries, different time zones, different continents. So we've done within time zone remote implementations, but we've also done uh, between 15 and 17 remote SAP implementations in the course of 2020 
on uh, three different continents, and we've done it successfully to the point where, which is an interesting uh, anecdote here, is that we just signed a contract with a customer where they made us put in the contract that we wouldn't go on site. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah, yeah, so that I found that the uh, the ultimate irony because they perceive it as overhead and expense when you have flights and hotels and travel time. I mean, it's hard to be productive on an airplane as a consultant when you're having deep technical sessions you need to do. What do you think the future holds with this in regards to post-pandemic? Let's say we're in this spot, pandemic's not a threat, life is getting back to the new normal, whatever that may be. Do you think it's going to be full-on remote implementation sessions for stuff like this? Is it going to be hybrid? What kind of views do you have for the future? Yeah, so from a corporate Vision 33 perspective, I can see uh, everyone having to justify travel and travel-related expenses a little more than before. Um, And I think we will reduce the number of trips overall. Personally, I think in my world, I used to do about 150,000 miles a year in travel. I think that'll be cut in half when we get back to normal and I get a vaccine in my arm. (laughs) So, um, and I think the same will be said for customers. I think we will identify key pieces and key milestones in a project where it makes a lot of sense for everyone to get together. But then I think a uh, much more work will be done in a remote capacity. Um, and again, you know, our, we're here to serve a customer and drive customers sat. And hmm. even, even post pandemic, you're going to get some customers that say, I want you on site. And they're just, that's, that's their mindset and that's what they're comfortable with. But I think a, a much larger proportion will be perfectly fine uh, with remote capacity and using and leveraging the technology and the tools we have today. People are more comfortable with it. I, I, I think even just working in my region up here, that before this happened, if we were trying to tell people that it's going to be a remote go live or something like that, where they go live with the new software solution, I think a lot of people had a hard time just trying to get that wrapped around their brain as far as how that would actually look. But because of how 2020 has been with the pandemic, people are way more open to it. They get it. They know like, hey, we can do this remotely and it's going to be cheaper, easier, faster doing it this way. Yeah. You know, one of the big attitude changes I've seen. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll certainly see more of that. And I, I just don't think it's going to go back to the way it was. Uh, the pendulum will swing back a little, but not all the way. Not at all. That, that's something that I think expert after expert has been, or business owner too, coming onto the show saying that, that this event has changed the way that we will do business forever. I mean, it's pushed things. Uh, it's going to swing back a little bit, but not like it was before. Yeah. So as we're talking about changing environments and changing things, one big thing that changed, I mean, I had a very good plan built out for my region, for example. I was actually on target for quarter one. I was above target for quarter one. But then come April 1st, that whole plan essentially got thrown out the window. And a lot of people, a lot of companies 
are the same way. One of the big changes that we've had is how we market to people and also how we now sell to the customers. What kind of trends do you see as far as you know how you're marketing to new prospects and also how you're selling to customers? What, what has changed? Yeah. I mean, we've seen a gradual evolution over the years of customers being able to self-educate, self-assess, and bring themselves further along mm-hmm. in a sales cycle than they might have uh, when we first started the business, simply because the tools and the knowledge and the content are out there for you to be able to do that. We've seen over the years a dramatic shift from traditional calling and phone work to well, digital strategies with marketing technology solutions. Like, I mean, I, I talked to our global lead on marketing and he can rattle off the eight different solution stacks that we use for our marketing, our, Mar- our MarTech stack, you know, like things like Bonbura, Lead Forensics and tools like that to enable and help us understand the beha- the online behavior of customers as they're looking. Like back to my earlier point, they're doing a lot of their own research. They're doing a lot of their own uh, test cases. They're doing, they're finding information. So we need to find the people who are doing that and are actively looking and help them on their journey along the way. So our uh, you know, analogy for that, I think that a lot of people that listen to this podcast can relate to. Think about cell phones, okay? Cell phones in the yep. When that first came out, I mean, to sell it, it's like you practically needed an engineering degree uh, because it was complicated. It was new tech. Uh, People didn't really understand it. And there was a lot more questions than built-in knowledge that people had. Fast forward to where we're at in 2020. Most people have a good idea how cell phone plans work. Most people have a good idea of how cell phones work. Uh, work and you know the technology that they want and I think in our industry that's kind of what happened what's happening people have had more exposure to ERPs they're able to easily google and find knowledge in various different platforms and they're coming to the table with their visions and we're just not having to go on a pure fishing expedition anymore yeah 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 and having said that what we do is still can be very complex because business you know, businesses especially when you get into the uh you know medium space and up their their unique uh, their unique uh, qualifiers as to what makes them successful is almost their own fingerprint or dna and so they don't all operate the same our job we have to go in you know with financials and the accounting piece at your digital core, but often we're dealing with the whole supply chain and manufacturing and uh, inventory management and things like that. So it's, 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 it's still, it's still not nearly, and I don't think it will be at the level of a consumer application. We're all familiar with consumer applications because we get them on our phone, you download them, you upgrade them, no problem. Um, we're nowhere near that level yet, and I'll never say never, but uh, the complexities are there, and I think the competitive differentiators are there too, such that it's never a one-size-fits-all when it comes to business application software. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. So on the sales side of that, though, 
how do you think the sales cycle has evolved as far as how people are going out to sell? Like from the sales rep perspective, if I'm trying to, to run a deal, do you think that's been digitally transformed as well too? Any viewpoints? To, to some extent, yeah. And I think that we can follow the breadcrumbs with all the tools we have out there to know, again, to know the prospects online behavior, what type of information they're interested in, and we can cater our responses to that. So you're not trying to cross cast a broad net you're mm -hmm. you're really able to zone in on exactly what there is interested and get to the heart of the matter uh much sooner so i think and, and that combined with the self-education piece that i spoke about earlier then that compresses and uh drives down the the amount of time that you need to be sort of exploring and discovering there's still certainly elements of that but uh it the tools help if, if you use them properly and I think um, when it comes to sales rep, it's still, it's still there. It, you know, it still comes down to the relationship and how do you? you know, I think the pandemic has been a little tougher uh, from a sales perspective. Personal relationship when you're not there in person. Yeah, like we're doing right now. Yeah. You know, in two dimensions, but it works. You know, I can tell you, I probably do eight. You know. In an eight-hour day, I think 75% of that day are video conference calls now. Yeah. And I've always been a fan of the camera, as you know, but uh, I think that that is something that uh, um, that more and more prospects and customers are getting used to. And now yeah. you know, they'll turn on the cameras much more so than they would before. You know? And I feel I've kind of pivoted to the point now where I feel odd if it's just an audio call. As yep. opposed to an audio and video, you know. Exactly. So, exactly. No, like same. Yeah. I mean, if you look back when I first started, uh, we were using GoToMeeting back then, but it would be nobody video cameras on. We're just yeah. demo. We show yeah. software voices only. Now, yeah. uh, for every sales call that I join my sales rep with, I end up uh, having the video on because even if they don't have their video on, I turn my video on because I want them to see me. I want them to see my face, my body language so that they can see that I am sincere. I think it's more transparent uh, yeah. when you're talking, if they can see you know, how you're saying things to them. Yeah. And you want them to see your fancy shirt. That is quite a shirt. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> This is my favorite shirt. Wait, you've always told me this is a Friday shirt. So I yes, have yeah, yeah. So with the market trends that we're seeing now, and we we've got to get wrapping this up. I have about two more questions for you. So with the market trends that we're seeing now, smaller companies, I think they're starting to get ready for ERP sooner than traditionally because of things like ecom, where everybody's. Yeah online and now they all of a sudden they need a system to handle that how is a solution like vision 33 with sap business one or the softbox logo that you have how can that help these companies digitally transform yeah yeah so uh we've we've put together some packages around uh to get low cost of entry for startup companies knowing that wouldn't it be nice if you could just start with one solution and never grow out of it that you know that's typically not the path but 
We've seen customers in early days go from pre-revenue, $0, implement SAP Business One, and I've seen them 10 years later be a public entity worth multiple billions of market cap. So the scale can be there, and we've seen it. So what you got to do is you got to come up with some pre-packaged offerings, uh, things like we've developed our own multi-tenant offering of SAP Business One with an integration platform as a service salt box baked into it. So you can take your digital core, any cloud point solutions that you use today can be integrated in very easily through Saltbox. And then all of a sudden you have a best of suite solution, right? Mm. Or best of breed solution, sorry, where you're you're starting small. You've probably chances are you're using other web-based applications to run your business. You connect them all together and then you grow from there. So those systems and those packages are out there today, and uh, we've had some really good success with them. Well, how does, if, if they digitally transform, I mean, what will, I mean, will that allow them to have automation, stuff like that? Can you go into those details a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends on what the nature of the business. Obviously, uh, if you're uh, if you're trying to get into a B2C play and, you know, there's some really great enterprise level uh, solutions out there at good starting prices like uh, Shopify, for example, big e-commerce partner of ours. You can get up and running and have a fully integrated Shopify site with an SAP back back office in a relatively uh, small amount of time and with a path for low cost of entry and that you can scale from there. So think about that as automation. You're 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 exposing your inventory online. All the orders are flowing into the system, right? From order to cash, and uh, no one's touching a keyboard. That's I mean, that's digital transformation when you eliminate all those manual pieces, right? The paperless component I met early. To me, you know, digital transformation is the biggest overused uh, two words uh, in, in our space these days, but it does mean something, and it means eliminating human touch, which obviously is a great, great pandemic move, and increases efficiencies, the automation pieces there and uh, decreases human errors because the, they're made too. And uh, and you talk about a glass pipe into your visibility of your business from uh, end to end. Yeah, and I think with automation, there's always the fear that, oh, if we automate it, it's going to you know have us lose people or I may lose my job. And that's not really the case, I find. I mean, it's more that those people, instead of fixing all the errors that you may have put in, you actually will allow them to focus more on revenue or profit uh, driving activities. I agree. I think the information technology industry is going to be the greatest job creator in uh, the next 10 years of any other industry. It's um, The demand will uh, outstrip the supply. So my advice to anyone right now today would be go out, get into the IT business, get yourself a software engineering degree, and uh, you'll have a lot of choices when you get out the other side. And I don't see that going away anytime soon. A hundred percent. My 17-year-old Francisco, uh, who is the producer of this show, he uh, is you know, thinking about going, looking software engineering to see what type of... Yeah. He likes what we do with business yeah. vision. Okay, yeah. And I would say, you know, you don't need to do a four-year degree. I mean, I get 
get a cloud certificate from AWS or Azure, just start, you know, I think you can really make a mark for yourself. If you're not, you know, not everyone's cut out to go and do the whole college thing. It is expensive long term. I think the benefits are there, but there's other avenues to the same end. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Alex, this has been amazing. You gave us some really good insight into your, your personal career transformation, as well as what Vision 33 is going through with the pandemic, how we've helped our customers, and you know, some good industry insight. How can people reach out to you? Oh, they can reach out to me at alex.rooney at vision33.com. I only have one email address. That's it. Everything flows through there. Awesome. Hey, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just going to say, hey, have a great holiday. Merry Christmas. I hope you have a restful time uh, with your family and you're all charged up for 2021. Because as soon as this podcast ends, you got to start selling for me again. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, definitely, definitely. We have ground to make up this year, but we're in a good yeah. spot. Thank you, yeah. Alex. Really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for yeah. supporting the podcast, and uh, we'll get you back sometime next year. Okay. Thanks, David. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. Wow. What an amazing interview to end this epic season one with, right? Alex was such a fun chat, and hearing his experience is pretty motivating, I'd say. Again, Somebody that went through a drastic career transformation. But first, did you love the episode with Alex Rooney? Did you love this interview? If so, do me a favor. Smash that like button. Smash that subscribe button. Doesn't matter if you're on YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Deezer, Stitcher. Wherever you're consuming this episode at, please help this channel grow. Smash that like button. Smash that subscribe button. And if you really, really love the episode, share this video with your social network and let's get Shark Bite Biz and Mr. Alex Rooney trending on social media. So let's get back to Alex, okay? Seriously, I love the career transformation. Too many people are nervous about making the jumps in their lives. And here is another case of somebody that really liked what they were doing, but they really just wanted more. So they made the jump. Obviously, it worked out. And I think the biggest moral to this story is do not allow fear to inhibit you from following your dreams. Next up, I think it's important to point out what digital transformation was with Vision 33. Like Alex was saying, Vision 33 was kind of lucky. We were already down the road of digital transformation prior to the pandemic. But the pandemic essentially pushed us off a cliff full force in. We've been used to working remote, different time zones, digital meetings. In fact, Alex was saying that come next year, we're going to be fully paperless. And that's a huge step, especially if you've seen our contracts, which sometimes can be uh, over 100 pages. One of the big holdups, though, with Vision 33 has been our customers accepting the remote work in digital meetings instead of us being on site. And it was really hard for them to kind of grasp how to make a digital meeting, a digital session productive. The pandemic actually changed that as now they're more receptive to it. They understand it. Why? Because they're probably doing some sort of remote work in their daily lives or their business. And that has really allowed Alex's company to take advantage of that and excel. 
instead of doing things hyper regionally where sometimes resources are limited now we're really able to open up our talent pool and i can bring true subject matter experts in regardless of where they're at around the globe lastly i want to point out that it was really cool to hear about how alex and his company especially that guy that runs a northeast region for him oh yeah sorry that's me <laughs> but how they are allowing companies to streamline their processes avoid double data entry go paperless and do a true digital transformation they are really enabling their customers to run lean and run profitable remember automation is not eliminating jobs automation is allowing your people to actually focus on revenue driving profit driving activities instead of filling out mundane spreadsheets uh, it really is something that will allow you to grow rather than eliminate position so overall this was a really cool story i am super excited that alex finally decided to come on to the show i mean it only took him 49 episodes before i got a yes but he finally decided to come on for this milestone 50th episode and wow what a way to close out season one i am so happy for this i hope you all enjoyed it like i said please get this out share this episode get it out to your network let's grow this shark bite biz community so again great conversation what did you think i think like alex said digital transformation is the most overused word so today's discussion point is going to be have you truly digitally transformed at your business leave a comment on youtube and let's discuss let's see what you all have done and what your definition of digital transformation actually is final final note okay like i said we are kicking out season one right now this is the end of the first season our first 50 episodes we are in the process of scheduling for season two you want to be a guest in the show do you know somebody that would be a good guest in the show do they have a good business story they want to tell about how their business pivoted they want to talk about market trends they want to talk about career transformation whatever it is if you got a story we want to hear it shoot me an email david at sharkbitebiz.com looking forward to hearing everybody as we start scheduling season two interviews and i just want to say it one more time work-life balance make sure you take some time to spend with your family these this holiday season make sure you take some time to spend with your family this holiday season work-life balance is is key to true happiness and success have fun give your loved ones a hug happy holidays merry christmas happy new year and remember i'm david strasser this is shark bite biz and we'll see you next year. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz.
We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story. Thank you.